Welcome to How Things Connect, where we get personal and planetary. Get ready to expand your consciousness with healing insight and evolutionary wisdom. I'm your host, Stephanie Wang, and I'm so excited today to have as my guest, Dr. Patrick Fratellone. Dr. Fratellone is an integrative doctor, cardiologist, and herbalist. He's been practicing clinical medicine for over 25 years and is an expert on supporting and treating cancer, heart disease, autoimmune disease, and Lyme disease. His guiding philosophy is an individualized approach in total health and well-being that results from nurturing the intrinsic healing of the whole person. He's held many positions, including Chief of Medicine and Director of Cardiology at the Atkins Center for Complementary Medicine, and currently has his own practice, Fratellone Medical Associates in New York City and in the Connecticut Integrative Medicinal Center. Dr. Fratellone has been an adjunct professor at the University of Bridgeport College of Naturopathic Medicine since 2014, and is a board member of the American Apotherapy Society. Welcome, Dr. Fratellone. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice introduction. Very well said and put concisely. <laughs> so I am just so excited to, to share your amazing wisdom with the audience because you've been my doctor for many years now and helped, you know, and helped me go through so many different um, illnesses and helped heal me. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that. And you look um, great. Thank you, thank you. I'm still here, um, and I. But I realized, you know, after all this time, I never actually got the story from you as to how you was kind of went into being an integrative doctor instead of going. You know, I know you're an, both obviously an MD, and also um, you have a lot of training and experience in alternative medicine. But what made you kind of go that direction, and what made you want to become a doctor in the first place? Well, I wanted to become a doctor because when I was a, a young boy, my mother's first cousin was an ophthalmologist, ENT. And mm -hmm. I used to go to his office on Saturdays and help out as a, as a little kid. And then he operated on my tonsils when I was four years old. Um, so that always hooked me. I just really liked what he did. And he was a conventional physician. So um, when I went into medicine. Uh, first of all, I went to school in Grenada. They were bombed, so I transferred to England. So I did all my clinicals in England. And English medicine, British medicine is a little different. They, they do look at naturopathic approaches. They look at homeopathy. So I got introduced mm -hmm. to it during my training there. That's I came true. back mm -hmm. and I did internal medicine, um, followed by cardiology. I actually first did infectious disease. Um, and the time of the infectious disease fellowship, um, was an AIDS epidemic in the United States. So all the patients mm. were dying from HIV. And this was before we had cocktail medicine and we only had AZT. So I applied back at Lenox Hill to go into a fellowship of cardiology. And I did it. And when I got done, my first medical practice was with the gentleman on Fifth Avenue. And it was an integrative practice. And then I was recruited by Dr. Atkins of the Atkins diet. Mm. And... And he said, would you like to be my medical director and director of cardiology? And I said, sure. And I said, well, what am I getting myself into? This man is all about diet, but it's not true. He was completely about integrative medicine. He wrote a book about integrative medicine, about supplements, 
um, before he even even before he did his diet book. So that's how I got with Dr. Atkins, and I learned integrative medicine with him. We had a radio show every day. He had a radio show in WOR. I would go down to his office on the second floor, and he would sit opposite me, and we would do a question and answer from the audience about different topics. And on one of other shows, he had guests like you have me. He had a guest named Andrew Weil. And Andrew Weil was one of the first people in integrative medicine. And I said, I really like this guy. And he said, he was talking about starting a fellowship in integrative medicine. Unfortunately, Dr. Atkins died. I took over his practice. And my first thing was, I'm going to go start another fellowship in integrative medicine. So I went out to Arizona to study with Andrew Weil for two years. So mm -hmm. when people say you're integrative medicine, yes, but I have a, a certification in integrative medicine. I stayed there two years. I learned more about herbology and different things. And in the fellowship, they taught you a lot of things, but I already knew a lot of things from Dr. Atkins. The one person I met there set me on another path, and that was Tiarona Lodorf. I don't know if you know her. She's mm -hmm. an MD like myself, but she's an herbalist. She was a yes, midwife first. Yes. And mm -hmm. during the course of the two years, she said, Patrick, I think you need to study herbology. And when I came out, you couldn't just practice it. I needed a certification. So I did another study with Andrew, with um, Seven Song in Ithaca, uh, the Northeast School of Botanical Medicine. So everything I practice, I have a, some board certification in it. It was funny, during my fellowship in integrative medicine, I had to have open heart surgery because I was born with a congenital defect. I knew it from when I was a kid, but I never had surgery. My parents you know, didn't believe in surgery because I was born in a time where cardiac surgery was not done extensively in the early 1960s or late 50s, but they gave me herbs. So... Full circle here, I'm in a fellowship. I have to go get my heart operated on and I'm learning about all the herbs. So I, I don't, I, I believe that this is not a coincidence. It's, it's not a coincidence that my own heart got healed with herbs for when I was a kid. I needed surgery at age 40. Let's say I got operated in 2004. So that's 17 mm -hmm. years ago. Heart's still mm -hmm. doing fine. They corrected what I was born with, but I continue to take herbs from my heart. So it is full circle for me. Wow, I, I had no idea. That's yeah, amazing. I don't tell a lot of yeah. people that because, you know, right. I mean, but it's, it's funny that I'm a cardiologist. I had open heart surgery. I know what yes. a patient goes through. I know how yes. you know, tra traumatic it is for the body. I went in with openness. I listened to a lot of CDs on meditation. I actually brought into the operating room, uh, the, the physician, Dr. Stelter, who did my operation. He made them play a tape on chanting mm -hmm. during my surgery. So there were, it was, it was everything, <laughs> oh, that was coming, everything was coming around that this is what I needed to do. So I did it. Wow, you know, and it's very rare because the way you're trained in allopathic medicine, there's there's almost like the never the twain shall meet almost. And now never. it's changing. Well, now it's, it's finally changing, changing course, because but, of people yeah. like Andrew Weil having a fellowship in integrative medicine. I was the mm -hmm. first graduating class in 2005. That's 16 years ago, you know. Mm. So, I mean, 
it's it's amazing. Now we train so many physicians, allopathic physicians, who want to know about integrative medicine. It used to be called. It's funny when you gave the talked about the Atkins Center. It was the Atkins Center of Complementary Medicine. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't want to call it alternative because that sounded mm-hmm. voodoo. So he called it complementary. And today, the better word is integrative because you're integrating mm-hmm. East and West philosophies. But medical students maybe now are learning about nutrition. When I trained, no nutrition training at all. Nobody, yeah. No mm-hmm. one. So. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and it's so needed. How would you describe is the fundamental difference between an integrative approach and a conventional medical allopathic approach? So a conventional allopathic approach to treat someone, they always want to look at double blind studies. You know, if you use a medicine, they want to know that it's been approved by the FDA, there's double blind studies. When it comes to integrative medicine, you're using all modalities of medicine. So yes, I do herbs. That's one modality. I use homeopathy. I'm trained in another modality. I refer out to acupuncture, refer out to Reiki, yoga, chiropractic medicine. Listen, chiropractic medicine and acupuncture used to be voodoo years ago. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that's mainstream. So I think it's our turn that integrative doctors use all their approach. And you don't necessarily need double blind studies. There are studies on herbs. I will say there are. But mm-hmm. you're not going to get a pharmaceutical company to compare Lipitor in a double blind study against red rice yeast. Because if red nice. rice yeast, which is a, a, from a plant, Monicus purpurus, if that scores better than Lipitor, then they're going to want to make it a drug and it's a plant. And mm-hmm. I always tell patients, all of the drugs on the market, 90% of them were derived from plants. Exactly. So when people say, no, no, that's not true. Yes, metformin, glucophage, uh, uh, been in use for 53 years in the United States. It's from a plant. They happened Mm -hmm. to synthesize the active component and made it synthetic, but it's a plant. And patented it. Right. Yes. And then put a patent on it and made a lot of money. Look look at the new new thing on the roll is look at the hemp plant. Mm -hmm. Hemp is all over the place now. But it's been around for centuries. And now there's great studies on hemp, CBD, all the cabinoids, with or without THC. So I think finally we're coming full circle. Um, it's sad that it's taken so long. But we're here, at least. Yeah. You know? No, we're and here. It's, and, it's... I, and I think it's the movement is, is here to stay. I think mm-hmm. uh, cannabis has helped that movement. Um, because now even conventional doctors are talking about CBD with or with THC, which is the active component. Um, but these these plants have been used for centuries, millions mm-hmm. of years. Exactly, exactly, and for good reason. Yes, you know. And what's interesting is that you know, with the legalization of cannabis, there's also now a whole wave or a movement to legalize um, things like psilocybin which is also well, very interesting. That's a whole nother topic because- Yeah, that's another that, topic. I could do that as another show because I'm really big into <laughs> the- No, because I love talking about that. Michael Pollan, I know, and he wrote a book yeah. uh, yes. with psilocybin. I, you know, there's microdosing with psilocybin, with uh, mm-hmm. MDMA. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of ketamine. These are drugs that are used for recreational use, but they have medicinal use 
And it's Absolutely. now studies show that ketamine and MDMA could be used for depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think we're there. We're there. I just hope the movement mm-hmm. continues. Yes, absolutely. Um, same here. And you know, we'll we'll save that for another for another time. Um, but coming back to integrative medicine, would you say though, is it fair to say that the traditional sort of allopathic approach is also very symptom based, whereas integrative is much more sort of looking at everything? Um, you know, one of the things that I um, when I first started, you know, seeing you, um, I remember that, you know, you, you did these very extensive tests on me with a lot of blood work with, which is not something that, you know, let's say an allopathic doctor would do. And what are you looking for? Like when you, when you do that, are you, are you, are you assessing a person's health from all different angles and yeah. So let me tell you, what kind I feel like Dr. House, right? Mm -hmm. I do a lot of testing, but it's validated based on seven principles. And this is how Mm -hmm. I do it. I look at body, mind, and spirit. And I draw the Olympic rings. And if you can picture the Olympic rings, the first ring on the left is gut, inflammation. So gut, insult to the gut because the gut is the gateway to all diseases. So we have to start with gut health. So the first Mm -hmm. circle is gut health. The one in the middle is the pH of the body, which means if the gut health is off, what's gonna happen to your your pH? It's gonna go down, your body's acidic. Gut health and acidity brings the lower left circle inflammation. Inflammation leads to all disease, but it begins Mm -hmm. in the gut. So then the person gets that. Then they say, well, what's the other two circles on the upper right? Those are social causes. And the bottom right is stress. So now I have the whole whole Olympic ring. I said, this is what makes up body, mind, and spirit. So now I want to suggest seven lifestyle changes. And I say the word suggest because I'm not there to dictate to a patient. I'm there to educate them, give them the results, tell them what's wrong and develop a plan together as a partnership. I don't like doctors that dictate because Mm -hmm. more times than not, the patient's gonna walk away saying, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. But if it's a partnership, so then the person says, well, what's the seven lifestyle changes? I said, well, they're based on the circles. So the first change is I draw a triangle and I draw seven bars. And the bottom bar is the most important. That is dietary. I think you cannot discuss a disease without discussing the the individual's dietary habits first. And Mm -hmm. then look at the blood at the same time and say, I think you're eating too much sugar and go through the blood while you're talking about diet. And the patient usually said, well, what's the right diet? I said, well, I learned from the best. I learned from Dr. Atkins. There is not one diet for everyone. You cannot read a diet from the book. He's a perfect person, had a bestseller, but you can't read his diet and do it from a book. You have to live the experience because a high protein, low carb diet isn't for everyone. 
The second lifestyle change is exercise. And I try to say, do you exercise? Right away when you say exercise, people cringe because they think about a gym and a lot of people have body dysmorphism. They don't want to join a gym. It's costly. But for me, it's, I need you to exercise 30 minutes, three times a week. And they're like, really, that's it? I said, yes, because that decreases cardiovascular mortality by 38%. So now you, you got them. Now they're saying, okay, the guy didn't force me to go to the gym. He didn't take away everything. He's going to look at food allergies and see what I can eat. The third lifestyle change is addictions, because I think our body is built on addictions. And as I told you, an addiction is energy thieves. So mm -hmm. an addiction could be, yes, everyone thinks alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. But what about the internet? That's an addiction. What about your phone? What about family drama? All addictions, addictions are defined by me as energy thieves. Anything that robs your energy is an addiction. The fourth lifestyle change, if the person could get up to number four, is meditation. I know you meditate. You know I meditate. But I mm -hmm. teach the person on the first visit, I need you to breathe properly because you're a shallow breather. And I mm -hmm. teach Andrew Wiles spontaneous breathing, four, seven, eight. Deep breath in on four, hold for seven, exhale on a count of eight. I got that the person now is really listening because we didn't talk about that. We talked about their problem, but it was a whole different approach. And mm -hmm. by the end of the hour meeting, I talked about five, six, and seven, which is five is self-esteem. I think you cannot discuss disease without talking about an individual self-esteem. And I'm not talking about just the self-esteem that day. I'm talking about your self-esteem from childhood to now. The sixth so life of, it's so true. The sixth life of change is anger and resentment because studies show it leads to disease. It leads mm -hmm. to cancer and for me, heart disease. And the seventh lifestyle change, which I tell them five, six, and seven are a continual process is do you love yourself, self-love. By the end of the meeting, most patients have tears in their eyes because I spent the time to really, and I did all the blood work. I went all the, over the blood work and integrated it, the, the whole thing. So I'm just not a machine here reading the blood work saying this, 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 mm -hmm. and this. I have to integrate it. And I think that's how an approach should be. Also, it's an hour long appointment. So it's not those five minute deals where you look at the blood work and say, okay, next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can it's you unique. share? Sorry, say that again. Sorry. It's unique. It's a unique philosophy. Yes. yes, absolutely. And I love that because you are looking at all aspects of that person's life. And, you know, the two things you said in the end, self-esteem and self-love, they're, they're incredibly tied together, which you know, is also related emotionally to our, whether we hold anger and hate and pain. And of course, all of that is connected to our bodies, um, which is awesome because this is exactly what the show is about, you know, just to, to il really illustrate that from so many different walks of life. And in, I mean, in your case, Dr. Fadalone, could you share some stories as to how some of your patients, um, how you actually partnered with them to empower their own intrinsic healing? Well, you know, yeah, you know, the, the, I love, 
I'm not a, I don't take compliments really not like I don't take compliments, but when you get an email or a text from someone and I got a text from a, um, a, a couple who's having their first child and they wanted to thank me. I'm only seeing the husband who really had bad Lyme disease, but no one believed him. And I understood, treated him. And as he got better, he, his whole health get better. He was able to have increased sperm count by start, but it was a whole thing. And they said, you know, our baby's birth next month is because of you. And like, that was like mind blowing because they, she didn't come to me. It was him that came to me with Lyme disease, but their whole life has changed because of those simple seven steps that I said. And it's not, so people say, well, how did you come up with that? And I'm gonna share something that I don't share, but I'm not embarrassed by it. I've been sober for 27 years. And the sobriety that I have from alcohol and drugs, this June will be 27 years, has helped me to be a better physician, to understand people's hardships and strifes, because I was one of those people. And from that 12 steps, I developed the seven that I just went through with you. Mm -hmm. And that's how I want to practice because I think I need to incorporate addictions in there. So that's where I got mm -hmm. the energy thief. And people say, well, how did you come up with seven? Well, this goes into the intuitiveness of me. There's seven chakras. So there should be seven lifestyle changes. Mm. So we have seven wow. energy, seven, seven energy levels, seven chakras. And it's funny that the chakra here, the throat chakra falls on self-esteem in my triangle. The head chakra, mm -hmm. the crown, falls on self-love. Interesting. So it's, it, yes, it was well thought out, but it was, it was really a, a medical intuitiveness that got me to that point. So whether you're in a 12-step program, when you come to see me, you're doing a seven-step program. And it incorporates beautiful. everything. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Fradlone. That, that's beautiful. And you've gone through so much yourself and you're sharing your wisdom now, you know, as a, as a healer. And well, I, I think that if you are a doctor, amazing. you have mm -hmm. to share. I think the doctor has to open up and get personal with his patients. That's how you form the partnership. Mm -hmm. So when a patient comes in, I know their children because they're patients. I now know the children's children. And I even know the children's children's children. I have generations of families coming, which to me is the greatest compliment because I know, so if I have a young, now I cannot see children because I'm not a pediatrician, but I will see a child as an herbalist. Yet I know mm. his great grandmother because his great grandmother is my patient. How many times do you get that? So. I think that's the beauty of it because now I can look at generations of disease and see how I changed it at one point in their life and it just trickled down to all the grandchildren and children. You're bringing so much humanity and humanness in the doctor-patient relationship, which, um, I mean, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're not amazing doctors out there who do this, but it's, you know, you're doing it in a much more sort of thorough way. And it's, it's amazing. And I enjoy yeah. it. You see, I love what yeah. I do. 
I love the way I can help people by bringing my experience. And listen, if a patient's struggling with an addiction of alcohol or drugs, I will share them and tell them, listen, I'm going to tell you how it was 28 years ago. You would not believe that was me. And they're like blown away because I'm not doing it for any reason just to say that it's common among everyone. This addiction, regardless, is common among everyone. It doesn't distinguish black, white, gay, straight. It doesn't distinguish. It doesn't distinguish careers. And I think that's the stigma we have to get away from. And I think physicians, even if you were conventionally trained, you have to be honest with your patients. Because if you're not, and open up, Mm -hmm. and if you're Mm -hmm. not, then you didn't go into medicine for the right reason. Well said. And and that's, and you know, we could just leave it there Mm -hmm. because when you look Mm -hmm. at Hippocrates and you look at all the, all the ancient physicians, they were real men that had lives and shared their feelings with their patients using herbs. So now we use medicine, but a medicine is an herb. And an herb is a medicine. So mm-hmm. we're all on this planet to help one another. But I think if you have if you have that calling that you're a physician and you're going to take the God complex, you didn't go in it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are great physicians out there. There are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and whether it's conventional. Great allopathic, herbalists, yeah. everything. Listen, people say, yes. well, you're an integrated physician. You don't believe in medicine. Not true. I use medicine in my practice. You know that. There comes a point. That's why to be integrative, I feel I know the allopathic very well. And I know the, 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 I want to say the alternative, but the complementary very well. Mm -hmm. I still read Mm -hmm. all my cardiology journals. I just happen to read a bunch of herbal journals, complementary journals, and even honeybee journals. So I read everything. And I think that makes me well-rounded. And if I do not know the answer, I am the first one to say to the patient, you know what? I've never heard of that. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I will have an answer in two days for you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I want to learn too. They might, a lot of the patients bring me new supplements and new medicines. And, you know, listen, a physician is only, only so much you could learn in one, one lifetime. Well, and you're open to it. So yeah. you listen, you won't dismiss them. It's not a hierarchical dictatorial situation. It's I never dismiss like a patient said. because you know what? If you dismiss mm-hmm. a patient, that that really is, um, it's against what I believe. And I also, it, it ends the patient-doctor relationship. It's not an open well, dialogue if you dismiss. Yeah, you lose the, they lose yeah, the trust in there. you. Yeah. And I would absolutely. rather say, I'm sorry, I do not know, but I will look into it. I will call them back. And if I mm-hmm. don't, my son will remind me to call them back because I promise to call them back. What are the most, because you mentioned, for example, just, um, you know, going from, let's say, talking about addictions, like, okay, well, why are we talking about addiction here? But then once you bring someone through this journey um, and through your approach, people really get it. What are the more, what are the other common, I would say, misunderstandings or disconnections that people have about their bodies and their health that you you always find sort of like that's like very much the missing 
missing piece that people don't get. I don't think people listen to their own body as much as they should. I think they know what's going on with their body, but they sometimes don't trust their own intuition. And who knows better about disease than the patient itself? So Sir William Osler said, medicine is not taught in the classroom. It is taught at the bedside, which means if you listen to the patient, they would tell you what they have, but you have to listen, which means it's taking, the doctor has to take the cotton out of his ears and put it in his mouth and say nothing and let the patient tell you what disease they have. By that, I mean, by the asking the right questions and listening to the patient, at the end, I know what's going on because I thoroughly mm -hmm. listened to the patient. I didn't, I can't read. Yeah, you could read a diagnosis in a book, but the patient has the diagnosis. They just don't have the medical training to tie it all together. You have that training. Now get a little humanity and humbleness and listen to them. And I think I got that from my grandparents. My grandparents were my permanent babysitters when my brothers and I were growing up. I listened to all the stories that my grandmother told. And believe me, it helped me because old people, they just want someone to talk to. Yes. And if you listen yes. to the old person, like I have, so I have a lot of different hobbies. And like, I, I, I say, well, where were you in 1939? And the person says, well, geez, I was 10 years old. And I said, well, did you go to the New York World's Fair? And they said, oh my God, I did. I collect things at the World's Fair for various reasons, but I have that connection. So I listen to them. So then they have, wow, this guy isn't just about medicine. He knows this. And they start mm -hmm. trusting you and they will tell you about their parents and grandparents. So I think that statement by Sir William Osler is a true statement. It's taught at the bedside, which means it's taught right in the doctor's office without even examining them. And that's the good thing mm -hmm. about the English. The English doctors didn't let you order a lot of tests on people. They wanted to see if you could come up with the diagnosis from listening to the patient's history carefully. Because mm. listen, today you have a headache. Right away, the doctor was at MRI. Right away. But that's costing mm. healthcare, healthcare dollars. What about asking about maybe it's related to food? So the thing mm -hmm. is, you have to ask the right questions, and you might not need to do that MRI. I think we're too quick to jump to a test, whether it's a diagnostic test or a lab, without listening to the patient first. I love that. Yeah. And therefore you want the patient to be able to listen to their bodies. That's really important. And then communicate that. And, be and if really they tell and really what they're telling you, you're right. What they're telling mm -hmm. you is they're telling you what their body is saying. So mm -hmm. they know what's going on. They just don't know the medical terminology for it. That's where you help them and say, oh, by the way, that's called this. Oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And then one by by the end of the appointment you now have their diagnosis, but they helped you get there. So it's, mm -hmm. not this, it's not this God complex that you found out what was wrong. They helped you find out what was wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
to take this in a little bit different direction. Yep. You have been on the front lines as, you know, as a doctor treating patients with COVID-19. And yes. which is amazing. You were you were in the front lines. And, you know, as the pandemic is winding down and with the vaccines coming through and all of that, um, what are the biggest things through the many months of this pandemic that you've learned as a physician, as a healer? And what do you recommend for people at this point to fundamentally support their health? Well, you know, I think this pandemic while volunteering allowed me to see death up close again. You know, physicians, mm -hmm. after you do your training and you're out of the ER, unless you're an ER physician, which I did for many years at Lenox Hill, you don't really see the death and dying up close anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. it, not that it's, it's, it's not, I'm not saying we all should see it, but I think it brings us back to the basic that human life is very fragile. And there will be more plagues to come and more pandemics. We know that. And I think we can't discount what happens. Forget about, let's not get into the origin of conspiracy theories. People died. I saw people die. I saw that intubation was not the way to go, but that's all we knew last March of 2020. Mm -hmm. That's all we knew. So unfortunately, a lot of the patients that were intubated at my hands did not make it. I can't take that personal because I was there to do what I knew best. In hindsight, there would have been other approaches today that we know. Um, I think a person's immune system is governed by what they eat. So if there's something we could do, and I think this is what the pandemic did. The pandemic was a reset button for every individual on this planet, everyone. It was a reset button for you to learn about mm -hmm. yourself. It was a reset button for you to see if you could get along with your partner and your children under one roof and not move. It was a reset button. Maybe I should cook instead of ordering in food. Maybe I could eat healthier. Also is a reset button to see how much you really love yourself and can you find a hobby to do other than the addiction of the computer and the TV. It was a reset button to sit alone with yourself. So I think all in all, some people unfortunately got worse. They went down the rabbit hole because they realized their anxiety was just far too great to handle by themselves. Some people got out of themselves and started exercising inside instead of going outside. So I think it was a reset button in all accounts. I think we got to see how really immunosuppressed people are because of what they eat. So Marion mm -hmm. Nesso wrote a book, You Are What You Eat. Well, those people that didn't do well with COVID-19 had very poor diets. And it was reflected in their blood work when they got into the hospital that their vitamin Ds were low and their B12 was low, and their zinc was low. Well, that's a simple changing the diet. You know, eat more nuts and seeds, you know, take a B12, eat more green vegetables. So there, you know, Cleveland Clinic said there are four supplements, and I write about this on my blog from the very beginning, is that, you know, everyone needs to, if you wanted to prevent from getting COVID, take zinc, mm -hmm. take vitamin D, 
take B12 and take vitamin C. And if you don't have the means to buy it, then get it from your food because you could get all these things from your food. So I think I, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, because I, I felt good that if those people already had seen me and I put them on their journey of that seven lifestyle changes, it came in handy because some of them learned to meditate while they were home. Some of them learned to buy coloring books and color, which was good for them. So I think, I hope I helped people before the pandemic started, because if I didn't, you were forced into change. Whether mm -hmm. you wanted to change or not, the pandemic forced us to change. Because I think it showed us that life is fragile. And let's face it, a lot of Americans and foreign people worldwide died and families grieved. I mean, the saddest thing, one of my own nurses lost her husband and she wasn't able to say goodbye to him. You know, that was heartbreaking. Yes. And I had to say, I had to tell that to patients that they couldn't come in the room to say goodbye to their loved one while they were outside the hospital. So it was a, it was, it was a different time a year ago. I hope we learn from it. I hope that if it happens again, that we'll be better prepared. Mm -hmm. And I hope people are also waking up to just the day-to-day -day maintenance of their health, like you said, instead of like when an emergency comes or when suddenly there's another different kind of virus that shows up because it's not an overnight thing. Like suddenly it's like, oh, you know, now as long as I take this pill or do this, I'm okay. It's, 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 uh, health is a daily practice is the best way to right. think about it. And I don't like to say diet. I always put dietary lifestyle because a diet mm -hmm. is, is comes and goes. There's 200 diets on the market. They come and go. You have to do a dietary lifestyle change and exercise lifestyle change. So if you exercise only during the pandemic, shame on you because you need mm -hmm. to now still do that. Exactly. Exactly. You mentioned a lot about supplements. What about, um, and food, of course, food is medicine as being a big right. part of it too. What about environment? Uh, because I feel like, you know, a lot of times people don't realize what we're actually taking in. Right. So that's a good point. So, I, the way, best way is when I went to medical school, they taught us that most disease, let's say cancer, is caused by genetics. Mm -hmm. Like 80% caused by genetics only 20% by the environment. Today, it's flipped. Cancer, 80% of cancer is caused by the environment, meaning what we eat, what we drink, and how we breathe, what we breathe in. So the environment is toxic. We live in a toxic world. There are better places to live than New York City, better places than Hong Kong, better places than... Uh, uh, Los Angeles. Pollution is killing us. But your hobby could be that you're going to be an activist now and change that. And on whatever little level, any little change helps. Because if everyone does a change, then a lot of people are doing it, it changes. So what you eat, what you put in your body is really what makes disease. It links, so not only linked to cancer, all chronic disease is from the environment. So I do testing for that, as you know. I mm -hmm. test for heavy metals in the blood. Mm -hmm. 
I test for heavy metals on a hair sample in Connecticut. I test for environmental mold, which is very toxic. I test for all plastics, PCBs, all this stuff. I think, because that to me is taking an all around approach to find out why the person is sick. So a doctor makes the diagnosis of Parkinson's, a neurologist. He's only 56 years old. And I'm thinking, well, geez, 56 years old and Parkinson's, yeah, it could happen. But what about mold? Mold is linked to Parkinson's. Maybe I should see if his house has mold in it, or maybe he's been breathing in mold. And I would say eight out of nine out of 10 times, I find out a reason why he has that disease and it wasn't due to what the, the allopathic physician taught, what found out. And I mm-hmm. might call the allopathic physician and instead of listening, oh, that, 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 that can't be. You know, like they dismiss it, mm-hmm. but there are studies to show that mold, aflatoxin A, which is from black mold, aflatoxin A, causes Parkinson's and dementia. Studies have been done. So I think mm-hmm. everyone has to be reading this stuff, not just the integrative doctor. All doctors need to read this because I think you need you have to find out the reason why. And if it comes from the environment, it's your obligation to find it because you could protect other family members. Mm-hmm. So mold is very toxic. And there are people that live in environments that there's mold in their apartment and they wonder why they have chronic sinusitis, headache, and memory mm-hmm. loss. It could be mold. So I think it's the job of the physician to be at the doctor house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about the link between toxicity and viral load? Because it seems that we, our viral loads are just going through the roof Listen, these days because of the environment listen mm-hmm. we can't if you want to be living utopia i think that's impossible so i think you have to choose so a patient says well geez you gave me so many information what am i going to do am i going to do organic meat am i going to eat a uh, fish that's made with no so you have to pick and choose your battles what's important to you if you know that you don't want to eat you only want to eat grass-fed meat then do that but you can't ideally do everything I think it's almost mm-hmm. impossible because my, and you, this is how I believe everything in life for me, just for me is imperfectly perfect. Mm-hmm. And if you take that word, like, what did he just say? He said, imperfectly perfect, which what means there's no such thing as perfection. You can't be perfect at this. There's no such thing. So if you could be imperfectly perfect and find the diet for you imperfectly perfect and find the right water for you and the right air to breathe and the right humidifier. Do what the best you can, because we know if it's one change, it's better than it was the day before. Mm -hmm. So if someone's listening to this in the future, if they get one thing out of it, it's be imperfectly perfect. Just make one change. Start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You have to start somewhere. And you can't. Mm-hmm. So when you look, people look at that triangle, I say to the person, because I have a little intuitiveness to me. And I say, listen, I don't want you to go home and start at the bottom of the triangle and by tomorrow be at the top. Because that means you didn't listen to what I said. I want mm-hmm. you to start at the bottom and go with the pace. Be imperfectly perfect. And, and stay the course. 
and stay the course and every day you change. Don't try to be a perfectionist because the perfectionism is an addiction of always trying to do it is. And listen, it's true. And I'm and I I used to be a perfectionist. I took up yeah, knitting. Too. I took up knitting not to be a perfectionist. So when I made a mistake, mm-hmm. I didn't rip it all out and start all over again. I gave away scarves for Christmas that had holes in them because it was a learning experience. People said, "Geez, I never thought of it like that." But we all yes, want. Yeah. yeah, you want it. You want to do yes. something that's not perfectionist. Start somewhere because. I think we all try to do the best we can, but we're all striving to please someone. And most mm-hmm. of the time, it's not pleasing yourself. It's pleasing someone else. Exactly, exactly. Very so you have to please yourself. Yeah. You have to please yourself. So when I gave away scarves that had holes in it and the kids said, what'd you do? I said, well, I didn't rip it out and start over because I didn't want this scarf to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show you that I also and imperfect because if the doctor is imperfect mm-hmm. and a human being the patient could understand that and there's forgiveness you start to forgive each other and yourself listen in the process for, which is so for, important that's part of self-love yeah forgiveness is not forgetting it's just letting mm-hmm. go of the hurt that's all it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Absolutely. you have to forgive mm-hmm because if we don't forgive, we don't grow as human beings. And I think, like I said today, we are, we are not, we're spiritual humans on a journey. It's not a spiritual journey. We're spiritual human beings on this journey. So it's different that it's, it's sort of the opposite of what you think. We're all on a journey, right? It's not a spiritual journey. We're the spirits. If you mm-hmm. treat yourself as a spirit, you will go farther in life or further in life than you could ever believe. And I think, I think that's what I want to get out of life. That's what I, I want to, I want to go as far as I can. Good for you, Dr. Fratelon. You mentioned earlier about your intuition and I've been very excited to ask you about this because you are also a medical intuitive. Yeah, you know, I like I that. like that word. So I like that word. Mm-hmm. Some people after I start, so when I see a patient, I feel energy and I and I feel things. And I've done I really should ask the patient, is it okay to go to that aspect? And I sometimes learn by mistakes, like I told the patient about something that was happening in their life. They didn't know how I knew, but I just knew. And I probably should have asked their permission to go there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't because see things just come to me. I just am so excited and I want to blurt it out. And I have that ADD like effect to just blurt it out and it gets me in trouble, but I'm looking at the person's energy. I feel, see, and sense the energy around them. Um, I sense what, who they're close to in their family. Um, and I, and I, I do tell most people and I will learn. And again, I will learn to ask permission, but it does change the course of a person's life because they, they don't understand. And it's better than saying that um, I'm not a fortune teller. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, all, I'm not a clairvoyant. I like the word medical intuitive because I'm looking at the, but I think that goes along. If you're a good healer, I mm-hmm. think everyone's a medical. I think everyone has intuition. I just tapped into mine at a younger age than most people. And I lost early, very young, 
in my when I was six or seven. And I tell you, mm. when I lost it is when I was an addict. Mm. And I and I lost it also because I was the one that performed CPR on my mother, and I blamed myself for her death. And I was twenty years old, and for years that haunted me, and it left it left me. And I think once I accepted that I didn't fail, it wasn't me. I think all my childhood things came back, and I was able to connect with people on a better level. So I think, I think when we go through death and it's really of a loved one and you're there, I have to tell people you can't blame yourselves because I did. And when I blame myself, it sort of shut me down mm-hmm. and all the gifts went away. And it wasn't until I got sober that those gifts slowly started coming back. Although it took a lot of prayer and meditation also because I do meditate 45 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And I just said, when people say, well, what's the most important thing on your seven lifestyle changes? They think I'm going to say diet. They might think I'm going to say self-love. And I say, no, the most important thing is learn to meditate. So the medical intuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to. I think we have to. I think every individual has to sit quietly. And if you could do it in your stillness, if you with no phone, no music, Mm -hmm. still. And if you, I prefer, I prefer to do that outside with my feet on the ground. Some people don't have that option. Then do it in your apartment. Make a little space just for you for that. But it should be very special place. So I happen to sit still in front of my beehives, which people find a little distressing because bees are coming out. But I don't purposely get stung at that point because I, I think bees sense that they sense the stillness and they do and when and when a bee sees that someone's not afraid they will come and land on you and they won't bite you they won't Mm -hmm. sting you so i think that the intuitiveness is a gift i'm happy that it's helped people Mm -hmm. i think sometimes i have to reel it in a little bit and that's that's my job to learn What's amazing though, is because you have the medical training and the healing experience from so many different modalities that when you actually do have someone's permission and you receive that information, you're able to address it as a doctor, which is very, you know, which is, of of course you can talk about the rest of their lives, but in terms of, let's say what, you know, what is concerning with their health, that's something you can very very much pinpoint and actually articulate, which actually is incredibly useful. And a lot of the things I've said to patients over the years, it might not be important at that point, but when Mm -hmm. they come back and patients that tend to, you know, a lot of patients do doctor shopping, they might come back years later if they didn't stay consistently with me. They say, you know, I want to tell you something. You told me something five years ago Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it where you were coming from, but this is what happened. And I knew that, but it's not my job to tell them what to do. I think mm-hmm. I, I, you're right. It's good that I'm a physician to doing it because I'm not a fortune teller. I don't want to be a mm-hmm. fortune teller. And I don't like people say, oh, read me. It's not about that. It's not about me just meeting a person and reading them. It's, it's, it's again, it's looking at the Olympic rings, the triangle and looking the person as a whole from the top mm-hmm. to the bottom. And that's, that's mm-hmm. I like what I do. I like what I do. Mm-hmm. 
One of the things you said earlier really struck me. Um, and by the way, there was great advice about not blaming yourself because we actually shut down so many of our natural gifts that way. And people don't realize when we don't forgive ourselves and we don't accept ourselves fully, we actually lose a part of ourselves, literally. A yeah. piece of us kind of goes into hibernation or dies. And it does take an enormous amount of work to actually reconnect with that. Um, and you just reminded me, you know, something about myself when I was a kid and, you know, I'm going to actually start to reconnect with my intuition as well. I mean, I, I have been, but because of everything, you know, life happens, we, right. um, and, you know, at the time, of course, a lot of times maybe, um, the child may not feel, may not feel that it's safe to, to feel all these things. So then, you know, we further shut ourselves down or feel that somebody else is shutting us down and, right. Um, and it's really important what you just said. So thank you and, for that. And, and you have to realize everyone, when I sit across a patient, they have their own journey. I mean, I don't know what's mm -hmm. going on in their life. So if I'm able to help them, guide them in the right way, I want to do it. And I think most people, when they shut down, they seal off a part of them behind a brick wall. So I tell them, your heart is surrounded by bricks. Let me in. Let me just chisel a little way in. And if I could get in and help you, you'll be able to love. Because if you don't mm -hmm. love yourself, you can't love other people. So it's, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's, I think the, physi the physician should be a healer in their own right. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think if physicians use that intuitive gift, and there are people out there, more people would look into themselves for forgiveness and stop blaming themselves for things. And I'm a perfect person. I blame myself that I didn't give CPR correctly and my mother died. And that, that was with me for years, years. Mm -hmm. And that really sealed my heart off. And mm -hmm. I want people to have an open heart. You have, listen, no one says it's always gonna be happy out there. We know it's mm -hmm. not. We live in a world that it's not happy. But if you're imperfectly, perfectly happy, you could get a glimpse of happiness. Does that answer Absolutely. your question? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can someone find you and get a consultation with you? Is the best way just to look you up on your website? So yeah, they can look up fratellomedical.com. It's F-R-A-T-E-L-L-O-N-E medical.com. I've been practicing in New York for 27 years. Three years ago, I opened a practice in Fairfield, Connecticut with the naturopathic doctors I taught through the years. So I gave back. I want to say this because Dr. Atkins gave me a gift. He uh, mm -hmm. took me in. He knew about my addiction. He took me in. He, he trusted me. And I said, if I'm going to teach, I'm going to open a practice with naturopathic doctors to give them a chance. And we have a mm -hmm. nice practice up there. We do acupuncture, massage. We do everything. So mm -hmm. that's one way. So either Connecticut or New York. And I write a daily blog on the website. Um, I've been doing it consistently for 11 years. I have to say, finally, I'm taking all the blogs and putting it into two new books, which will be out. And so, it's yes, you can get a consult with me. I'm, I'm not one of these people that have a year waiting list. Mm. You know, some Fantastic. people said, 
Oh, I, yeah, because I we try to open up different appointments, and I save some time for new patients. So we always leave slots open for new patients. So I really think um, you can get to see me, and you do see me. So that's another yes. thing to say. Some people think <laughs> you see just the associates. No, you actually see me. Just like you're seeing me now, you will see me across the other side of the desk. That's good. And nice. I have to thank you for having me because it was enjoyable, and I hope that if someone gained just one thing out of it, it was well worth it. I am so honored to have you as my guest today, Dr. Fadalone. And what an honor to have you share all of your wisdom and to really do a deep dive on your approach and philosophy in life as well, not just as a healer, but as a person, as a human being. And thank you for, for being here for all of us. You choked me up, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I would be so appreciative if you would rate the show and leave a comment. I also invite you to join our Patreon community for exclusive content and to connect more directly. Learn more at howthingsconnect.com. Take care and stay tuned.